welcome to the Careers Takeoff podcast, where you'll learn how careers are changing and how you can change your career. I'm your host, Conrad Chua. Robert Ippolito moved from the United States to El Salvador, where he started not one, but two companies. Today, he'll talk a bit about his career journey, but since we have him on the line in El Salvador, he'll also share about the big thing that's happened in El Salvador in September 2021. Bitcoin was adopted as legal tender in El Salvador at that time, and we'll find out from Robert just how things are going. First, Robert will introduce himself. Um, I'm Robert Polito. I did the Cambridge MBA in 2017 to 2018. Pretty fun year. Um, I came to El Salvador in 2009 for the first time, as soon as I graduated college, to do volunteer work with uh, an NGO. Um, subsequently left to uh, live in Bogota, Colombia for a year, during which time my brother and I heard about Groupon and how well they were doing um, in the United States and Europe and decided that we need to start a similar business in Bogota. Um, unfortunately, uh, setting up an online business in Colombia is harder than one might think uh, for banking regulations and accepting payments online. So we figured that we would beat a, a hasty retreat back to El Salvador and uh, launch Coupon Club in late 2010. Um, so we've been running that business for uh, about, well, I guess it's almost been 12 years now at this point. Um, and at the beginning of the pandemic, we um, were shut down by, by the quarantine in El Salvador and Guatemala and uh, partnered with the local English Academy so that uh, we could take it online across Latin America. And soon realized that the kids line of business was doing better than the adults. So we've been selling uh, courses for kids ages five to 13 um, since early 2020, I guess uh, March of 2020. Um, and we're up to about 11,000 students at this point. And this is 11,000 uh, across Latin America. So how many countries are we, are we talking about? Uh, last time I checked, I think it's 19 countries in total represented. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And this is a very different business from the coupon side, isn't it? Because uh, I guess it's much easier to scale across countries than yes. the coupon side where you have to work with retailers. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, it's so much better. Uh, with the coupon side, we were, we were really limited by geography. It's very difficult to open up a new market because you got to have boots on the ground. You have to open up an office, do all the paperwork to set up a, com a company in that country um, and kind of get traction there. Whereas with this, um, you know, it's really just a matter of uh, adding a currency to our Stripe account and changing the Facebook ads so that they're going to Ecuador instead of Peru. What else have you uh, felt in terms of the differences between starting this sort of very much online business versus one that's very much more physical and in-person? Um, well, I, I wouldn't say that, I mean, it, at least in terms of the part of the, the business that I'm primarily involved in, which is the sales and operations of it. 
Um, it's not hugely different insofar as our customer acquisition strategy. We just do a lot of online advertising. Um, and we, we send our leads to a, a demo class and a sales team and then try and close them from there. So from the consumer side of things, it's not super different. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the, the biggest difference of this is that we don't do a whole lot of B2B sales, which was a huge part of the, the coupon business continues to be a huge part of the coupon business, although I'm not really involved in that day to day anymore. Um, the, the biggest difference, however, is just sort of the scale of the company. So we've got uh, over 200 teachers at this point that we have to manage. Whereas, and you know, plus, I don't know, some 60 some odd administrative marketing sales staff, et cetera. Um, so whereas with Coupon Club, the most we ever have is like 30 employees. Like now we're getting close to 300 with English for Kids. And I guess that must really challenge you in a different way from what what you were used to with coupon, with uh, the coupon business. So yes, how much do you, yeah, how much do you think, you know, the, the time that you spent in Cambridge with the MBA, how much of that helped you make this transition? Oh, it was huge. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have been able to do what I'm doing now without having gone to the MBA, frankly. Um, you know, all, especially all the stuff with uh, operations um, and the Lean Six Sigma course I did while I was there has just been a massive help. Um, you know, and certainly a lot of the, the organizational behavior stuff has, has really helped me with dealing uh, with a team that, because let me back up a second. So when, when my brother and I entered the company, um, a lot of the staff was already in place and there was a totally different company culture than the one that we had built and been used to. So there was just a lot of adjustments that had to be done just in terms of working with people that worked in a bit of a different way than the way we tended to work. Um, so certainly I found a lot of the stuff that uh, you know, I picked up in the MBA in terms of soft skills and dealing with different cultures and whatnot to be a big help. Um, and then just the challenge of managing and setting up processes and optimizing uh, systems and whatnot. Um, you know, all the stuff that we picked up in, in operations class and in Six Sigma, et cetera, has been, you know, massive for me. I, I don't think I would have been able to do this without all that. So the big news from El Salvador in the last couple of months is the announcement by the president and the implementation introduction of Bitcoin in September of 2021 um, as legal tender. So it's Bitcoin since then is uh, accepted uh, alongside the U.S. dollar. And Rob, it's be you know I'm really keen to find out uh, from you three months after that how how have things changed. Uh, maybe if you could start by talking about you as an individual. Have you used Bitcoin um, to buy stuff? How, how does that work? The big news in terms of how things have changed in El Salvador since the lay Bitcoin got put into effect is that they haven't really changed particularly. By which I mean the, the actual adoption of um, Bitcoin as a legal tender has been you know, pretty minimal. So to give you an example, um, for our, our couponing business, um, you know, because we are 
a registered South Norm company, we are legally required to accept it. Basically, nobody has tried to pay us in Bitcoin. Um, and I suppose that the reason for that is, is that like Bitcoin, because the, uh, because the price changes so much, the value is so volatile, it's just not really a great money. Um, you know, obviously as, as an investment uh, or, you know, digital gold, et cetera, it, it certainly has its value, but because the price fluctuates so rapidly, everybody continues to just denominate all of their prices in dollars. So there's not really a, a big advantage in paying with Bitcoin versus paying with dollars. Um, and they put out the Chivo wallet, which is the government's Bitcoin wallet with Bitcoin and dollars. So the way this works, anybody that downloads the Chivo wallet onto their phone was given $30 worth of Bitcoin they could use for whatever, or they could just withdraw it at a uh, Chivo government ATM in dollars, right? So everybody that downloaded it got 30 bucks, essentially. Um, the idea was that by sort of seeding everybody's wallet with 30 bucks, they would start getting used to dealing with Bitcoin um, and it would, it would drive adoption. Um, but really what happened is everybody just took the 30 bucks out or bought, you know, 30 bucks worth of groceries at the supermarket. And then that was kind of that. Um, I, uh, I, I did, I did a, a brief poll of other buddies of mine that have businesses down here. Um, and it appears that essentially nobody is even attempting to pay in Bitcoin since the start of the adoption. Right. You mentioned that uh, because it's legal tender, then you as a business ha are required to accept Bitcoin if somebody wants to pay. Yeah, in, in theory, in theory, I should. Um, I, I have not, honestly. I, I certainly am not going to download the Chivo wallet. That seems like a terrible idea. There's been a ton of, uh, you know, security concerns. So, so essentially, the, the, the wallet itself, it, it's interesting. It, it almost goes, like, directly against the whole point of Bitcoin, right? Because the... the and one of the, the selling points of Bitcoin, right, is that it's on the blockchain, it's decentralized, it's anonymous, et cetera, right? It, it allows you to, you know, transact freely and avoid government interference and censorship and all the rest of it. But the Chivo wallet is, is run by the Salvadoran government. Um, in order to in order to download it, you have to upload your own personal information, your name, your identification number, and all the rest of it. And you don't actually have access to the Bitcoin keys, right? You don't own your own Bitcoin. It's the government that owns the Bitcoin. They're essentially custodians of it, um, and then you can sort of transact with it. Now, now the, the the way they sold the the implementation, um, there was, as far as I can tell sort of three main reasons why they wanted to uh, make Bitcoin legal tender, right? So the first one was to enable, um, you know, lower friction remittances. So probably about a, a fifth, give or take, of the GDP of El Salvador is just people sending money back from the United States. So there's, you know, it's like I think 1.8 million Salvadorans that live in other countries. 
Um, they send money back uh, to their friends and family. Um, typically, they're you know doing things like Western Union, right? It's, you know, they charge kind of big fees, and you have to like go to the office. And it's you know a bit of a, a pain to to deal with that. Um, or they're sending you know wire transfers via the Swift net, Swift network. Um, which is really tough if you're unbanked, which I think like, I don't know, 70% of the population probably, uh, don't quote me on that, but about 70% of the population I think is unbanked. So the idea was that if everybody had access to Bitcoin, um, you could use uh, Strike or you know some of these other crypto networks to, to sort of send remittances back to the country with much lower friction. So that was number one. Number two was to um, attract a lot of uh, foreign investment from you know, crypto people. Um, so the, the attraction there is that if Bitcoin is legal tender, right, then you don't have to pay capital gains tax on it if you're in El Salvador, because it's no longer an investment class, now it's just money. So the hope was to bring some um, you know, crypto billionaires into the country to uh, invest and set up residencies and, and all the rest and attract some, some foreign investment that way. Um, and then number three, um, sort of a, just a big uh, speculative bet um, by our uh, new president, um, essentially just to buy up a whole bunch of Bitcoin and hope that the price goes up. And if the price goes up, that will uh, alleviate some of the uh, financial burden that you know, the country has. And it uh, sort of remains to be seen whether that pays off. It's very interesting what, uh, what you said about how such a large per percentage of the, the, uh, the population is unbanked. And Bitcoin, I mean, I, th I just read uh, today you know, about how that's one of the big hopes for Bitcoin, that it will unleash or you know, all these, the masses of the unbanked. But ultimately, at the end, you still need some kind of smartphone, some kind of digital uh, savviness to be able to use that. Um, so do you think that's the case in El Salvador where, you know, people, do people have uh, access to that level of uh, digital technology? I think, I think that in terms of... Um barriers to adoption uh, for use with remittances. Uh, probably the biggest one is just trust, right? So I, I think that, you know, I saw a stat recently, something like 80% of the population surveyed said that they either have no trust whatsoever in Bitcoin and especially the, uh, the government wallet um, or very little trust. So, you know, the, the people are, you know, they're definitely not used to transacting in this way. Um, you know, certainly it, it does have its benefits, right? I mean, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of, of, of uh, comparing it to going to Western Union or whatever to, to get your remittances from your hermano lejano, uh, it's a lot better to just get it on your phone, right? Um, that said, given that the government is running the wallet, it seems unlikely that everybody is going to start using it unless they can do something to, um, 
you know, improve the trust that the citizenry has in the government. And as you said, it kind of runs counter to the whole Bitcoin ethos, isn't it? Or, 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 or hope that um, with something like Bitcoin, it breaks that link with uh, a trust in a centralized institution like the, the government or the central bank. Um, so I guess that's ultimately the, it, it's the implementation means that it's almost like going back to a fiat currency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th there is some speculation as well that like this is, this is just sort of an intermediate step and that ultimately what um, the, the Bukele administration wants to do is um, get its own sort of digital currency for El Salvador. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I mean, part of the, the justification as well that I, I didn't mention previously is to like decouple El Salvador's monetary, monetary policy from the United States. So since 2001, the country has just used American dollars. Um, and I, I think probably a, a bit of a motivation as well for the adoption of Bitcoin was, you know, during the, uh, the pandemic, the United States has been printing a lot of money and sending out um, you know, checks to everybody to prop up the economy, et cetera. So there has been some inflation as a result of that. Um, and El Salvador has been affected by this inflation to the same degree that everybody everywhere else that uses the dollar has been. But, you know, nobody in El Salvador is getting these checks. That was Robert Ippolito speaking to us from El Salvador. What a fascinating career journey that he's had and I'm sure he'll continue to have. Join us next week, where we'll be speaking with Marco Donzelli, global CEO of HLB Limited. Marco will be sharing the results of HLB's annual survey of business leaders. This year's survey has an emphasis on innovation. So join us to find out what CEOs and business leaders are thinking about for the year ahead. My name is Conrad Chua, and I'll see you next week.